It's not that I mind roughing it. it. Has nothing to do about that. Well, get let's go, girl. But when I go somewhere to want to like take a vacation or a small trip, I don't think it's fun when it's more work. So sometimes camping to me is work because it's extra to do the dishes and extra with cooking and extra on how, and that's not fun for me. So if I'm going to just go and enjoy, like mom, mom does all that at home. So it's kind of like I want to go and have a break. And if mom's going to go to do extra work, that's not a break. Your camping experience is on wheels. Look. You pull out the trailer, you hit and get in, and you enjoy. You turn on the AC, and you enjoy. You turn on the power, and you do your hair. And that, is anybody some campers like this? Anybody rough, anybody a tent camping person? Raise your hand. Let's see. We got three people. Okay. Everybody else? This, <laughs> Where are my this? people at in the room today? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Where, see, where's our clampers at? Yeah. Now listen, it's not that I won't. If I have to, I can. Yeah. I'll, I'll go without makeup most of the time and all without doing my and hair. You so see beautiful. it. Messy bun, don't care. I don't care. But the fact of it is, is if I am planning to do something, I do not want to so plan. So this is not work. fun. You set no. up a tent. You gra- we grabbing all this stuff and then say, okay, let's find a spot. Okay, let's try to set this, this up. This is like fun for a fort for your kids at home. That's like, that's fun. <laughs> that's Fortnite, kids. Yeah, yeah. That's. Never mind. Dad jokes, it's cool. Um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so a lot of camping experiences are pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, we're, we're in this season, chapter 7, <laughs> basically, that we said we declare war. If you're new here and you're looking around, yeah, we declare war. We said it. We hold to it. The enemy has done ticked us off. Too many times we play, play games. Too many times we're playing in this playground. And it's time to step up and say, you know what? We declare war. And that comes with responsibility. And yes, the enemy, he wants to come in like a flood. He wants to roar like a lion. He's just a little cat. He's, he wants to be like a lion. But he's not the lion of the king of Judah. He's not him. He wants to be like him, but he's not. And we declared war. That's what we said. That's the statement because we're taking it back. What God intended us to have anyway. And here's the thing that I find so crazy at times is people do not understand that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That statement blows my mind for some people that you don't realize at times that you let everything dictate you and you're like, he's... I don't know how I'm going to get through that. Well, if it says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. If it's always something negative, then is he truly in you? Because if that was the case on the other side, you would know without a shadow of doubt when you face it, when you're in the storm, when you're going through it, that he's still greater in you. Yeah. But too many times we face things and we forget that he's in us. You're talking about the king of kings, the God who dwelled in the tent, the God who dwelled in the ark. And he said, listen, I'm going to bring my son, and he's going to dwell inside you, even greater. That only priest could hold the ark of the covenant from a distance, can't even touch it, had bells on with, with ropes tied to him just in case they would die inside that tent and be pulled out because I didn't hear the bell ringing. 
That God is still the same God from yesterday and today and even tomorrow if we're granted tomorrow. He's greater inside of us. So no matter what you face, what your biggest battle is, God's got it. And a lot of times we want God to just push and grab a little wand if I had something to pull and just blah, blah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Whatever Harry Potter says, whatever. Oh, you said Harry Potter at church, oh God. Uh, but we want to treat God like he's got a wand and he can make it better. That's not the case. He's trying to make you better. Yes, can he change situations? Yes. But most of the time when you look through the word of God and when you see things happen and he's like, I'm trying to make you stronger through the storm. But I wish this would change. I'm changing you so you can see it different. But what about this with my family and my kids? I'm changing you so that outcome could be different. I got all that under control. You just focus on me. And I think too many times we get to a place where we forget about greater is he that's in, in us than he that's in the world. We focus more on he that's in the world and forget about him that's in us. Well, look what's going on in the world. Look what just happened over here. Look what's happening here. Look what's going on in my life. Look what's going on in my world. Look what's going on in this. That's why we said World War Z for these students. What world are you in? What's surrounding your world? It's time to go to war with this. And that's the thing. We focus more on the backside of that scripture about him in the world than the fact that he that's in us. Who brought a son that defeated the world and lives in us so we can have the strength to do that. To defeat anything inside of us, around us, in our, in our lives. When the children of Israel were going through the desert after they got liberated, the exodus of all of Israel going through the desert, walking around for 40 years, they would go and then they would stop and they would set up all their tents and they would go and then they would stop and they would set up another, their whole family unit tents and then the, the, the big tent, the, the main tent, the tent that housed the presence of God and, and all the articles inside and all the way it had to be uh, laid out and the dyes that had to be colored and would have to sit on the tent a certain way to represent what God asked. Last week, I don't know if you were here or not, but we were talking about mark my words. And too many times we have people only taking maybe a small 25% of 100% of what is being said. I'm only going to grab a small percent of that. Not on purpose because our minds are so busy we're not taking the instructions that are at hand that he's asked us to do. These things happen all the time. You could be in school and students would be going through stuff and they'll be like, well, you had, I didn't know. I just didn't know. Parents, you, you have that happen with, with your kids, or maybe you were the kid at one point, and the parent asked you to do something, and you just didn't know. So, uh, yes, I got that. I'm going to get that. And you just forget because you didn't retain what was said. God has instructions, and we have to apply them. He said how to put the tents up. He said how to do this. So it, the children of Israel are roaming the desert in circles, getting ready to go in the promised land. And as they go, they didn't have a place. They crossed the Jordan. They went to where? Jericho. And they walked around that thing. Before Jericho, they had to go take care of uh, the childhood issues they had and fix what was meant to be fixed as a child. They had strategies. And then we started to walk around uh, Jericho. And 
as they're defeating, they didn't have a place to say, you know what, I'm going to go back home. See, when you guys leave here, guess where you guys go? Back to your place. Imagine leaving here and you pack up your tent and have to go set it up somewhere to the next destination. Or you brought your tent here and we all set them up out in the field and we got ready for service today. You know how much work that is? But nobody complained about it because that's just what it was. They were a family. They were an army. This is how we roll. We roll together. Well, I don't want to do that. Man, that's a lot of work just to come to the service. You know how many people think it's a lot of work just to come to this service that we have once a week that only lasts for an hour and a half? That they just can't or they don't want to? Or, or a youth service that, that happens on a Thursday night? Nah, I just can't do that. Are they mad because it went past 830 and God's probably dealing with some of the students but they're tore up about it because they got to get back home? But yet, get them on overtime in a game, and they're all good being out till 10 o'clock with their kids. But don't do, don't, they're all tore up at, on Sunday or on Thursday night. Something's wrong. Something's completely off. And so, we got people that are traveling. So, when they camped, they camped and got ready for where they were going, and that was Jericho. And we, we talked about all this. Leading up to Jericho, they walk around, the walls fell. Jesus' grandma's a prostitute. <laughs> Breaking news. Um, her whole household saved. And there's all kinds of stuff that goes on. And they stayed in camp there. And then they're getting ready to do something else. Before I, I'm going to tell you what they're doing. And then we're going to backtrack for a second. They're getting ready to go up to AI. This is another outpost for the enemy of, of Canaan. An outpost where it was up more in the hills. So they had to travel up. So they were camped, and they're just going to take people up to that location. Because Jericho was considered kind of like, for all of the, the Canaan area, was the big prime location. If we can defeat Jericho, we can defeat everything else. We can take every city from there, every town, every outpost, everything, because that is the biggest one. And so that's what leads us to this moment that we call hidden treasures. And I hope you're ready today because God has something in store for today. And I think this applies to everybody in so many ways. Go ahead. Well, what's pretty crazy about it is from last week to this week, it really ties in because it going from mark my words into hidden treasures is the whole issue that starts in this situation from Jericho is because they didn't pay close attention to the words of God. And so I want to start with you in Joshua chapter 6, um, verse 18 through 19, and then we're going to skip around a little bit in chapter 7. So just uh, follow along with us this morning. It says, do not take any of the things set apart for destruction or you yourselves will be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. Chapter 7, verse 1 says, But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah, and of the tribe of Judah. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. Um, th so what happened is, let me, let me stop here for just a second. 
They stop after Jericho. God tells them, you're not supposed to take any of the articles that were meant for God's house. He said the gold, the bronze, the silver, the iron, all those kind of things. The only thing that was supposed to escape was Rahab and her family, period. Nothing else was supposed to be taken except for those articles that were left behind were supposed to be put in, into the Lord's treasury. They were meant to go into the house of God to serve purposes there. Um, a lot of times those things would be melted down, um, made into other things, but they would also, I mean, even back then they had to have some form of currency. So things like that were made to help support the church and go into the treasury of God. What ended up happening was Achan did not pay attention to the Lord's instructions whatsoever and disregarded them and ended up taking some of those items for himself. So they go on and they've defeated Jericho and nobody knows that Achan's done this um, except for maybe the ones who live in his tent possibly, um, his household. Um, and, and maybe some of them didn't even know. Maybe he was sneaky enough to hide the articles at that moment. But what happens from there is Joshua takes, they have AI that's coming along that's getting ready to, um, they're going to take another ground, take another area. And AI wasn't very large. And so they came back and told him, you know, there's no need. This is where we get into this scripture. Um, they sent out spies to check it out again and see how the land was. And here's where they come back and they told Joshua, they said, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack AI. Since there are so few of them, don't make all of our people struggle to go up there. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. So here they're defeated, and as you go through the story and look at it, because I'm not going to read the whole story to you, but what happens is Joshua becomes very discouraged because he's trying to say, God, I thought you were going to be with us. You had said that you were going to bless us. You brought us from, you know, the Jordan. We crossed over, man. Maybe we should have just stayed where we were because of everything that's happened, you know, because if, if we start getting defeated and the people in the land know that they can beat us, then we're never going to make it to take the promised land. And Joshua gets very discouraged at this moment. And, and he honestly begins to get very irritated and upset as well because he knows that something's not right for the fact of God had told them, if you take the articles, you're going to be cursed. If you don't take them, you're going to be blessed. Okay. So here we go into it. And Joshua is groveling at the Lord's feet. I mean, he is literally in prayer, groveling and asking God, and he is upset. He's weeping. He's um, disheartened because he just doesn't understand, you know, I don't want to be left here just to die. I didn't come this far to do this. And God speaks to Joshua and says, Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded, must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now, Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. So early the next morning, Joshua brought the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Judah was singled out. Then the clans of Judah came forward, and the clan of Zerah was singled out. Then the families of Zerah came forward, and the family of Zimri was singled out. And every member of Zimri's family was brought forward, person by person, and Achan was singled out. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to God, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Make your confession and tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. 
And Achan replied, It is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. So Joshua sent some of the men to make a search. They ran to the tent and found the stolen goods hidden there, just as Achan had said with the silver buried beneath the rest. They took the things from the tent and brought them to Joshua and the Israelites, and then they laid them on the ground in the presence of the Lord. Then Joshua and the Israelites took Achan, the silver, the robe, the bar of gold, his sons, daughters, cattle, donkey, sheep, goats, tent, and everything he had, and brought them to the valley of Achor. Then Joshua said to Achan, why have you brought trouble on us? And the Lord will now bring trouble on you. And all of Israel stoned Achan and his family and burned their bodies. They piled a great heap of stones over Achan, which remains to this day. This is why the place has been called the Valley of Trouble ever since. So the Lord was no longer angry. That's dramatic. But look what happens when you don't mark his words. You see what I'm saying? Now, things have changed because if Christ never died, we would have a bloody mess up here at this altar. There would be sacrifices because it had to be offered to the Lord. Things had changed. He was the ultimate sacrifice. But you see where, where Joshua got so upset. I hope you're ready because we're, we're going we're to dive straight in. I know you got the Colts getting ready to play and you're praying for victory. But listen, there's more victory right here than anything else. But we'll get you there. Um, listen to this. Joshua was so mad because you've got to realize this. These are young people. This is the first time that the young people died. After their parents all died out in the wilderness, this next generation is left. And it's the only time you hear of death and in, in, in capturing the, uh, uh, the promised land. You don't hear of it anymore after that, of, of them dying. So he is upset that 36 people passed away. Because of one man's sin, there was 36 funerals. The effect of his problem affected everybody around him. Not only his family, but also the people around him. Nobody's died. They, they, the last generation died off so that they could get ready for the promised land. And then all of a sudden, back to back, you got Jericho happening. You got everything that happened before Jericho. He said, do this. Destroy everything. We're going we're gonna to crumble the walls to the ground. People are going to die in the, in the crumbling of the wall. You're going to burn everything. And you keep all the articles for the house of the Lord. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people got that word. And Achan didn't listen. One person. And when they go up to the mountain to take on Ai... That's what happened. They were so afraid because they've never experienced defeat. Ever. And they have experienced death, but when, they're, when the people around them were dying, only 36 out of 3,000, which death is death, it's not fun at all, was well, something was wrong. Because of one person's sin, it, it, it caused a ripple effect through the house. Through the house. And what is so crazy is the very thing that was supposed to happen to the people in Jericho happened to Achan and his family. The rubble fell down on him and burned everything up in him with his whole family. Imagine today if it was like that today, that your sin that you hide and nobody knows because you're so good outside, and it gets exposed, it destroys your entire 
bloodline. And even Toto dies. Your dog, your cat, all your little animals, all your farm, everything that breathes around you is dead. That is absolutely crazy. But here's the reality to it. God said something. These kids, young adults, becoming adults, saw what God did. These, these were the ones born in the wilderness. These are the ones that saw the fire by night and cloud by day. These are the ones that saw everything God did. Everything God has done. Yes, was there some tough times at, at times? Absolutely. Did he take rocks and, 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 and make water out of it? Did he do all the stuff and bring food and do all? Yes. Did he do it one more time? Did he cross a nut? Did something else split wide open, the Jordan? Yes. When Moses was on the mountain, God told him, take his shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. When Joshua crossed over and there was a huge angel saying, are you for me or against me? He said, take your shoes off because you're again standing on holy ground. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Because if he's in you, every step you take should be holy anyway. Holy. Before a guy to be rallying up, okay, we did seven times. Okay, we're blowing the, the horns are getting blown. Let's, let's take the city. Let's save that family. Let's go. And in the midst of destroying a city so you can advance, you see stuff. To the fact that if he took it, then he didn't even do his job in the beginning. Because if you have things in your hands, how do you swing a sword and do something with your shield? You just take and go. You don't do what God's called. And then to the fact that you would go all the way back to your home with your family. Get inside your tent. Take a shovel and bury what you wanted. And I think today, what is so crazy is too many times, listen, the tent of meeting for God in the, in the Ark of the Covenant, he set the example. That's your covering. When you go home, you have a covering over your home. That you have a standard of how you live your life in your home. And so in these personal homes, there was this covering, but inside the covering, he couldn't help with what he wanted to do in his own personal life. I'm going to go in my own home, and I'm going to dig in the foundation of my home and bury something I know for a fact God told me not to do. And I, I think what, what's so crazy about all this is that at times, we have taken a shovel spiritually and we have been burying things and trying to hide stuff that, for a fact that we know we shouldn't be hiding. And we try to live this life. And yet, it affects the whole family. Maybe not the whole family knew. Maybe a couple people. It doesn't say. But when you're in a tent and you see somebody with a shovel digging a hole, you're probably wondering what the heck's going on. If you're a part of that family and you're like, what are you doing? Why are you, why, if it's that good, why, is it, why do you have to hide it?
if it's that good and God has blessed us, why do we hide the blessings of the Lord? Why do you have to hide it and bury it? Well, I think what's hard is you have to ask yourself how many times in life does what you want outweigh what God wills? Does what you want outweigh what God wills? Because when you, what you want outweighs what God wills, you tip the scales. And the balance of life begins to come off kilter. And what happens is you begin to miss out on the blessings of God because what you wanted was greater than what God willed for your life. And what's hard about following what God wills is sometimes it doesn't make sense because I guarantee some of uh, Aiken's thought was, man, we've walked, we've done, we've done what you asked, we did what you said, and you know what? I deserve something. I deserve, why can't I have that? I deserve it. I've worked hard for that. I, I did what you said, God. It's, it's not that big of a deal. Nobody, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. It, who's going to notice that little 200 little pieces yeah. being gone? Who's going to notice one robe? Nobody's going to notice anything. There's thousands one, of things. One person out of thousands and thousands of people in the army. Well, it said that there were 40,000 men, let alone. So he was one of 40,000 yeah. men that did not listen, that didn't hear just what was said. No, it's just he just chose to disregard. He deliberately disregarded. And I believe that disobedience always leads to destruction. Anytime that we're disobedient to God, it leads to our destruction. And it may not seem uh, huge right now, but I believe that it is a uh, spiritual cancer that eats away at your soul. Yeah. And there's nothing else that can take care of that or get rid of it except for the DNA replacement of Jesus Christ when you allow him to come in and take out the things that are in your life that are causing all of that. And what got me is you talked about Aiken in the tent and you mentioned the tent of meeting. And what hit me so hard about this is that I want to read a scripture in Matthew 6, 21. It says, and this is in the Passion, it says, for your heart will always pursue what you esteem as your treasure. Your heart will always pursue what you value, what you esteem as your treasure. So your heart, you know, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. You know, that's the scripture before that where Jesus talks about don't store up uh, treasures on earth where thieves and moths, uh, moths, moth and rust will destroy. Well, I mean, I guess moss could destroy it later on too. But the fact of it is, is that you don't store up treasures here on earth. You store up your treasures in heaven. And what that means is that you may not see the reward for things that you do now. And sometimes you may still be feeling like you're lacking in your earthly things. But when you get to heaven, your reward is so much greater than all the things that you could attain to here on earth. And it hit me because if God created in the first place the tent of meeting that's where jesus met with his people was the tent of meeting and then we had the tents that came along and Achan buried his foundation or buried his treasure in the foundation of his tent he buried it in the foundation and what was meant to be a foundation in the church became a foundation in his home and was literally turned around um, to be something that it wasn't meant to be and what's crazy is when Jesus Christ came we became the tent of meeting for him and what's crazy is we have things that we bury in the foundation of our own hearts that literally keep 
us from coming to the tent of meeting with God and putting those so articles, the, the treasures that we have in ourselves, whether it's talents, whether it's, you know, just relationships, the things that we have, we put a false picture to it because we think it's good because we've got treasures in the bottom of our tent, in the bottom of our heart. And I think that what happened is Achan literally allowed himself to believe the lies of the enemy that nobody's going to notice. It's not that big of a deal. Nothing matters. But guess what, guys? The greatest lies that you can ever tell any, the greatest lie ever on this earth are the one that you tell yourself. My goodness. Because if you can tell yourself a lie so much, you begin to believe it, then it's no longer a lie. It becomes your truth. And what happens is if it's your truth, even though it's still a lie, you think it's true to tell everyone else. My goodness. And what happens is then that lie is still infecting everyone else. And the scripture says that, that Satan is the father of all lies. And it says that if you are in a lie, then you are not of me. You are of your father, which is the wrong father. And you are living in a lie. And what's crazy is sometimes, you know, we look at this. And this is a tough subject to talk about because this makes us have to look again. We talked about reflecting inside. It makes us have to look inside and ask God, what are those things that might be deep there that have been foundationally laid, even from maybe when I was younger or to now? Or what, have, what am I hiding on my own? Because we can blame the enemy all we want. Well, this is, a, this, is a, this is a bad strategy. We talked about strategies and how God has these strategies. But when you are in your flesh, you have your own strategy. Achan had a strategy. When he saw it and he wanted it, he knew exactly what he was going to do with it. He knew he was going to hide it. Yep. And eventually when they conquered and they got divided into their tribes to live life, he had something to go, little, little. Uh, he had a plan. He had a plan to, to have, uh, to be, you know, wealthy. And the reality is, is why would you think doing something like that was going to help your future? Why would you think going against what God has said to you is going to help your, your plan? And, and, and th this very thing happens a lot with people. When you dabble back in your past, why would you think your past was going to help your future? And, and, and this stuff happens. We, we get to a place where we look at this and his sin was never a individual sin. His sin found him out. I mean, reality is, is when somebody, when this stuff kind of happens in your life and somebody does something, it just doesn't affect that one person. It affects everybody around you. When things happen, it affects multiple people. And, and I think what we're looking at with this whole scenario and checking this thing is this is your home. This is you. Let me, let me be real about one thing. There's only one thing you should be hiding. One thing. And it says, hide the word in your heart so you don't sin against it. That's about it. That's, that, that's it. But this, this is your home. And to, to think that, you know what, I'm just going to bury this. What happened to me in the past, I might as well just take it in the foundation, and I might as well just, just start digging into it and burying it in here. So nothing, you know, nothing's, if I, can't, if I can't see it, it don't exist anymore. Aiken buries it and goes about his day and they get ready for AI like nothing happened. 
But think about this with the church, with people. We bury our situations and all the stress and all the anxiety and all the anger, and we bury it, and we go about our day and act like everything's still good. No good and well, you've already pulled the shovel out of the shed, and you've already done something right there, but I'm telling you right now, it always says it, it is always true, what is hidden in the dark will always come to the light. 100%. I don't care how deep you bury it. I don't care if you get a backhoe and you dig it pretty deep. But I promise you one thing. Christ brings it to the light. And your, 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 your stuff you bury, the this stuff in your life that you bury, it affects people around you. Bury the pain. Bury the anxiety. Bury the, the, the dysfunction of something and you're just... I'm just going to bury it. Oh, everything's good. And I'm just walking around with it. And it, guess what happens? Those stupid yucca plants in the front of this church will not die. <laughs> sorry. That was just the moment. I'm sorry. It's a little counseling session. You know how many times we try to dig it out, dig it out or bury it? And it just keeps growing? Burn it? <laughs> it just won't. When you keep burying I hate you, Brandon. Here I go. And you turn around, and you're like, yucca plants. And I'm telling you, I, we have dug, I mean, we have ripped that whole place apart, and somehow they keep coming back. The reality is, on some of this stuff, when you bury stuff, I promise, it's just going to keep coming back. You'll be like, oh, oh, it's all good. I'm covered. Look, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm involved in church. I got Christ in my life, and you're just walking on it and deep down inside when you get real 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 focused you remember yeah i still got that buried over in the corner and underneath the bed over there yeah i still got that situation buried deep down because what the next moment somebody could say something wrong to you and maybe it's anger somebody could say something wrong to you and it's not even that bad and you're just like Wah! and everybody's like what just happened it's because what you keep burying it's it's not out you you got to get it out of the root you got to get to the root of it. We keep cutting it off. It, on the side, it's just going to keep growing eventually. And yes, I've tried to get to the root of that yucca plant. And I don't know where. It's probably right here underneath me. Um, but it just keeps growing out there. But <laughs> the reality is, is you keep burying things. These things you keep burying, that they would get in that tent and hurry up and dig it out and bury it and hide it and just put on a smile. All right, what's the next battle? All right, what does God have in store now? And God's like, I can't fully use you because you keep hiding all your stuff. Oh, fill me up, God, till I overflow. You can't overflow because you are still in here buried stuff. You buried your stuff. You got to get it out. Oh, it's okay. I just, you know, if I can just bury this pain and I can always feel accepted, so I go to one relationship to the next relationship to this relationship, whether it's dating or friendships. I can't just be alone. Buried it. Buried it. When you finally get it out, it's so liberating. When you finally get it out. Because, listen, what happened? I don't know if you understand this. I don't know if you understand the name Judah. That was the worship tribe that was behind the priest was leading into Jericho. That was the tribe that led in worship. Worship always goes before. Judah always takes the lead. That's why it's important for us as, as Christians, as we worship, we take the lead in worship. 
Because we're offering it up to him. Well, I think in worship, the fact of it is, is from our very hearts, from the depths of who we are, from the foundation of our soul is what we worship God from. And what we store in the foundations of our heart determine the value that we place on God. If you have things stored in your heart that you know are not pleasing and things that are not acceptable to what God would desire because you just wanted what you wanted. And let's just be honest, there are many times several of us and all of us could say we disregarded some of the rules because we wanted what we wanted. Because we just wanted it. We felt that we were owed something, that we deserved that. That we've gotten this far. Why, why shouldn't we be able to have that? And then what happens is we're facing those consequences. And, and again, I was going to say this earlier, is we want to put all the blame on the enemy. We want to blame the devil for everything that goes on. But what happened to just being the product of your own choices? What happened? That you were given the freedom to choose. And, and what you choose affects people. And so let's go back. If you think that I'm wrong, let's go back to the very, very beginning when it all started with Adam and Eve. They were a product of their own choice that they made. Nobody made them do it. They could blame the devil all they wanted, but he didn't make them do a daggum thing. They are the ones who chose to take that bite. And because of that, it has affected us to this day. So you tell me right now that the things that you don't have hidden in there, those desires and those, want, those wants of your choices and things you do don't affect the people around you and the generations to come. Because if that's the case, then what the heck are we going through right now? And how did we get here? Because the fact of the matter is, is that when we treasure God, we'll treasure the people around us. When we treasure God, we'll treasure the things that he's given us in our heart to store and to hold that dear and do that around us. And when we don't treasure God and we treasure the world and its things, we devalue the people around us and the things around us. We, we tell them that they are of less importance. And I think what hit me so hard is about hidden treasure is what are you hiding in your tent, your tent of meeting with God? Are you hiding his word that you might not sin against God? Or are you hiding the things of the world? Because, and you know what's funny? It doesn't even have to be something that big of a deal. It's not, it doesn't even have to be a major sin because let's look in the reality of it. I mean, let's go here. Reality of it is, is I mean, Achan took a couple things. He could have just said, you know what, man? I'm sorry. I was wrong. Forgive me, I sinned. Here's your, here's your crap back. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he could have been like that. You know, and you're looking at it and you're like, man, God, that's not that big of a deal. But the point of it was, is God's very words from the beginning had said, if you take any of these things that were meant for destruction, then you will bring destruction upon yourself. And the fact of it was, is I don't think Achim was destroyed for the fact that he took something. I think he was destroyed for the fact of disregarding God. And so when we disregard God, it's, 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 it destroys us. Like I said, it's that cancer. So you may have something simple um, in your life. What if it's like, you know, you may have like uh, an, an addiction to, uh, to buying things, you know, because when things go on. And, like a shopaholic. Yeah, sort of. Like it's like, but it's a hidden one now because everybody buys things online. So nobody knows that you Only buy crap people. all the time because it gets delivered to your door. And nobody knows that you buy it because it's just simple. Like, FedEx oh man, I'm struggling. I'm going through a really hard time. I think I need something. FedEx you know, I just, I've had a really rough time and a rough week. I deserve something. I deserve that. Yeah. 
And you know what's funny about that? It's not the point, whether you have the money or not to do it, maybe it's not causing you a problem financially, but did you go to God first and spend time with him? Was he first on your list or was buying something first on your list? Was it, the point of it is, is little things become big things that take away from who he is in your life. Well, I think this is, I said it a couple weeks ago, this is the main reality of like, because um, nobody wants to talk about this stuff at church and they always get all weirded out and like, oh, you're talking about money. Money's always a sore subject and money's this and money's that. Yes, people work hard for what they have and unfortunately some people don't want to work and just take money. And there's, there's all kinds of stuff like this. This situation was a money situation. And here's the reality of what happened. It said those kind of things, what he took, were meant for the house of God. And he took from God what was meant to be put in the tent with the Ark of the Covenant, and he snatched it up and thought that that was going to be okay. But man, can I, can I be real about something? How many times do we do the same thing when nobody's obedient to tithing? You know what I'm saying? Like we, we, man, I forget. It's time for offering. I got a couple dollars. Here you go, God. There's a couple bucks. Here's a couple bucks. I mean, it's something. I gave him something. There you go. You know, because I buried actually the tithe I was supposed to give him. But you can have scraps, just like a dog. Here's leftovers. And God's like, do you want to fully be blessed? This whole sermon ain't about tithing. I'm just, it just, here it is. Do you really fully want to be blessed? Because if so, then be obedient to my words. Because he said, mark my words and watch me open up the floodgates of heaven. You're like, I just am struggling. Are you tithing? That's the reality. Nope, but I'm going to keep on putting my nest egg up and I'm going to keep on doing this and I'm doing that. Do you know for a fact that if everyone, now we're blessed, don't get me wrong, but if everyone would actually be obedient to tithing, how much more blessed it would be in your own life, not here, not here, in your life. Not like, oh, the church is going to be more blessed because we need your money. No, I don't need your money. I need your obedience because God needs it, and I got to follow what God says. But that's what happens. If that was your for real tithe, whatever this is, it looks like three, four, five bucks. It would have been six, but some girl took a dollar this morning. They hustled me, man. It was your kid. <laughs> it's all good. But if that was my tithe, there's more than six. There was a couple. I would probably have to, you know, I need to, I got to save that. I worked hard for that. And it's time to give to the Lord, man. He's so good. Let's stay obedient again. I just ain't got no money. And God's like, why are you hiding something that belongs to me? Because I've, I've told you in my word. And, 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 and that's, that's the flip side to that. When we're obedient in our tithing, man, he, you, you think what you hid was a lot? Tithe and see what happens. Tithe and see it happen a time and time and time and time again. Tithe and see what happens. But when you don't, let's, let's just be honest, okay? When you don't tithe, yeah. 
No, it's not about the church, and it is about your obedience. But when you don't tithe, just like anything else, it does affect the team. It affects the church. It affects the kingdom of God because that means that the seeds that were meant to be sowed into ground to create a harvest aren't there. Yeah. And so you're working off of less when you have the ability to work off more. And it's not the fact of that doing something to better everybody else in financially. It's about blessing the house of God so it can fully do. And you know what's funny is God says that, you know, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and does things. Yes, he does. But he gives them to you so you can do right with them for his place, for his home. And he gives you the free will of choice. And I think that's the point is the choice of what we have what we're doing, we have to have the right choices and quit blaming the enemy for everything that's going on in our lives and just truly ask God to uncover some things that are there that are trying to cause issues. I, I, I be- you smell good. I believe that uh, I was too far away. Um, like I said when, with, with the tithing thing, here's the deal. When you keep burying the stuff that you're dealing with, I'm just going to bury it. And then guess what? We just like social media. We show our best, hide the rest. We don't ever want to show that. Again, instead of burying it, the anxiety, the depression, the, I try to bury this and just like, I'm just going to, no. Instead of burying all these situations you might be dealing with, it's better off in the house of the Lord. Because watch what he can do with it. It's better off to take care of it. And then you're like, well, I've buried him. Now there's a hole there. Yes, there's a hole in my heart. Man, there's a hole there. It's okay. He's so good, he's going to fill it with him. He's going to fill that void up with him. And that thing will only be a thing of the past that you can help somebody else with. Don't you get tired of the same struggle? Don't you get tired of tripping over the same hole you keep burying stuff in? You see what I'm saying? It's better off in the house of God than you trying to put it in your own home. We bury so much stuff. We, you know how much weight you have? It is unreal. And yes, at times, there's, when there's stuff going on, you feel that. I'm just being real. There's been a lot of weight, a lot of pressure lately. And we were just talking about it. Do you realize the, the pressure and you can feel anxious and the pressure you feel in your, this is being real right here, the pressure you feel in your neck and your body, how tense you become when there's something that's just a pressure? And you're trying to figure out, how do you balance that? Do you realize, even myself, I was trying to carry stuff. Look, I'm just being real. Don't put me on a pedestal. I'll fall real fast. I'll high dive real quick. But I'm saying, that even at that, I have to give it to the Lord. I can't bury it and act like it didn't. It was, oh, it's okay. It's fine. We'll just keep moving. No. We have to, bear, we have to uncover what we buried and say, God, you know, honestly, it's better in your hands and in your house than it is in mine. But I think at times what, is, what has happened is because what we bury sometimes has been things that have affected us for a very long time. Yeah. To the fact now that it, it's growing, it's got its own deal going on. You're literally growing in it. It's a part of your life. Like, it's, it's a makeup. If you lost it, you lost a limb. Like, this is just who I am now because this is what happened when I was younger. And everything else has adapted around this one thing. So I've tried to bury it and leave it where it's at because I've, this is just who I am. And I'm telling you right now, there's more to you than what you're doing. 
There's more to you. God has more in store for you. All you have to do is just give it to the Lord. If this was it, this is what you buried. All you have to do is this, just, just lay it before the Lord. I know some of this hurts because that's part of my life. But I have to give it to you. you got, it affects everybody. Because listen, it affects your household, how your makeup is. Everybody in your house feels it. And at times, if, somebody, if somebody's off in the house, everybody's off. What, what they, what's that old saying? If mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Is that true? It does happen. But the thing is, is what happens, it affects everybody around you. And what God's trying to say today as we end, so you can watch the cults. Um, well, hold on for one second, because you mentioned about that laying that shovel down. You better hold on. You better hurry up. No, I ain't hurrying. I'm, I'm getting in. I don't care. You better hold. <laughs> so... You laid that shovel down, yeah. and what hit me when you laid that shovel down is, you know what's crazy is what you bury in your own tent, just like when Aiken was found out, he wasn't the one who unburied his stuff. They, they went and unburied it for him, but isn't that like God, that if you just would lay at his feet and give him yourself, he'll do the work for you to unbury all the hidden things inside of you so that need to be taken care of. You, it's, see, what's crazy is you're putting more time in trying to hide it than just allowing God to do it, because if you just let go, he'll, he'll, he'll do all the work. He'll take care of it for you. That doesn't mean that you don't have to have action and, yeah. and allow him to do it. it I think the, one of the hardest things as Christians isn't doing the work of serving and doing things for him. It's allowing him to do something in you. Yeah. Because that's hard. That means you have to lose control. That means you have to give up what you think is your right and allow him to take care and go in and dig in deep and take things out. And what's crazy is that's just like that surgery is he's going to dig in and he's going to get to the very root of it, not like just leaving things behind. And so that's what hit me right there is that you have to allow God to come into your heart and to literally begin to dig up the old things there. But your first thing you've got to do is lay that shovel down. You know, we've heard the saying, you know, when somebody does something or says something, oh, you're just digging yourself a hole. You're just digging yourself in a little bit deeper. You must stop while you are ahead. But I think that's what God's telling us today is stop while you're ahead. All you're doing is digging yourself a hole. And you're making it deeper and deeper because you're longing for things to fill it because you are creating the bigger hole in your own self by keeping putting things that were never meant to be there in your foundation. All you have to do is just lay the shovel down. I'll take care of you. Let me say something for you in this. Um, we talk about the breakthrough a lot. We talk about having victory. We're excited about it because it is exciting. But what doesn't get talked about a lot during the victory is complacency. And complacency sometimes gets us into a place where we're just like, well, it's no big deal. We just won the battle. That looks nice. And we just get to a place like we have to stay on guard and alert every time. Every, it, through any victory, through any, every moment has to stay connected. Because it can get there. And that could be like, oh, pleasing. There was nothing he needed. Not one thing did that man need. God has provided all the way up to there. And they were starting to eat of the land, and they, God stopped all that. But it wasn't that he was going to stop them from winning and moving forward. 
He just thought, well, you know, when I finally get settled, I could have this little nest egg and I'll, I'll do well for myself. Don't rob God. Why don't you stand with us this morning? And as we go into end and close, I want you to really think about some things. I think about how he was just talking about the victory and how we can become complacent because it is easy when you really do win a battle to be stuck up in that high moment. But what's crazy is we have to remember life is not lived on the highs and the lows. It's where you are in the steady ground with God. And you know that no matter whether you're winning or you feel like you're losing, you are still with the God who has it all. And he is taking care of everything in your life. And I think the focus of it is, is that what are you doing with your shovel? And what do you treasure? He said, hide my word in your heart. David said that. I will hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against God. I treasure it over every single thing. And today the question is, do you treasure God over the, all the things that you have buried or could bury in your life. Because if you are holding on to those things, then your foundation is full of self. And the foundation built on self is the foundation built on sand. And when the rains and the floods and the storm come, guess what? It's going to get washed away. You got to build your house on the rock and what God wants. And so what I want to ask today is that if you know that you have some things, and what's funny is this is kind of a weird question to ask and makes everybody feel odd probably because, you know, hidden things aren't fun to deal with. But if you know you have some things that are in your heart, and, and it may not be something, like I said, it doesn't have to be something like a huge major sin that you've like committed adultery or you've, you know, drank and you're an alcoholic. Well, I'm not talking about those things right now at this minute. Now, those are things that if you got something like that that you need God to deal with, that's great. But I'm talking about the little things that get buried in there that sometimes sneak in there because you tell yourself the lie of, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that bad. Nobody's going to notice. And then eventually, just like that yucca plant, it sprouts up out of the ground and somebody's going to notice because it's there. And so today, if you know that you have anything in your heart that you know is not right, that God just, you want to ask God to unbury it and dig it up and, and you want to say, I'm going to take the shovel and I'm going to lay it down. And I'm going to let you do the digging, God, in me today. I don't want to dig any more holes. The only thing I want you to do is dig deeper in me so that I can be closer to you. If that's you this morning, I'm going to let you know the altars are open and you are more than welcome to come up. You are more than welcome to come up. And that's a hard thing because that means that you have to be honest, not only with who he is, but who you are. And God wants to deal today. So what I want to do is I want to ask that if a couple could come forward, like Miss Jackie, Miss Debbie, um, we're going to continue to help and we are going to pray with the ones that are up here. But we want to ask God to come in and number one, encourage them. But also I am encouraging you, don't allow anything that, to, keep you from, to keep you from God. Don't allow any little thing to keep you from God. Nothing. It's not worth it. There's nothing that can amount to what he can do in your life. And I'm just telling you, the weight that you will feel that is lifted off of you will take will be a huge difference. Because guess what, guys? When we bury those hidden things in our foundation, we're only weighing ourselves down. 
We are creating weight on top of our own shoulders, nothing else. And so God wants to begin to deliver you. He wants to heal you and he wants to restore you. So we're going to pray with the ones up here and I'm going to pray. And then what we're going to do is just get into worship just for just a minute and allow God to move over us. If you don't feel that you have anything that's awesome. I am so excited, but guess what? You need to be praying for the ones that do and feel that they have things. And then again, be the one praying for yourself to not get complacent in the time of when you know that you're good, because that's when the little cracks try to come in and destroy the foundation of your heart. Amen. So Heavenly Father, we thank you today. I thank you for the ones, God, that have come out, God, and said, you know what, there are things right here in my heart that I've got hidden. They may be just be something simple, God, but I don't even want the simplest thing to keep me from you. And if it is a large thing, God, whatever it may be, from small to big, I give you full control to come in and take over it. I lay the shovel down today, God. I lay the shovel down and I release it. It's not mine, it's yours, God. You come in and you dig up the things that you know have kept me from you. I don't want to be separated from you anymore, God. You're my treasure. You're the one that I treasure. I value your word and who you are over anything of this world. God, I pray, God, that you would begin to move in them. And then those, God, that are here, God, and they're in a moment, God, that is with you, that they might have been going through some victories and not nothing's too bad. But, God, I pray, God, that you would help them deal with any complacency that would try to set in to get them into the lie of the enemy to think, well, that's not that big of a deal because that's when the devil comes to try to steal, kill, and destroy every bit of who they are. I pray, God, that we would stay alert, awake, and open to your presence. We love you, Jesus, because there's nothing else that we want more than you. In your name.